Oh, I don't. He's right there. Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. Life Church. I can't even speak. Come on inside here. Grab a seat. Join us. We're going to uh, kick off the service with, with some worship. Um, I'm excited for what God has in store for us uh, in these next uh, few weeks. So as we jump into worship, let's invite God's presence into this place. Father, we come to you and we thank you for another opportunity to learn and to worship you and to give you glory and praise. And we just invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, come and meet with your people. Your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So we ask, be in the midst. And, and bless us with your presence as we give you the praise that is due your name. We bless you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I walk a bit different now, now that my heart's been found. Nothing really feels the same. Hold my head a bit higher, lift my voice a bit louder. Inside has changed. I am a mountain mover, water walker, more than just an overcomer. Cause I've been set free. I am a gospel preacher, heart on fire, freedom singing, testifier. Cause I've been redeemed. I am a believer. comes my way I have peace through the trouble I have joy through the struggle now my hopes in a brighter day I am a mountain mover, water walker more than just an overcomer I've been set free I am a gospel preacher heart on fire freedom singing testifier Cause I've been redeemed I am a believer I am a child of the Father An orphan no longer No doubt about who I am I'm in the hands of the healer The arms of the Savior His grace may an overcomer that been set free I am a gospel preacher heart on fire freedom singing testifier cause I've been
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare to our living hope. Your Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord,
Nothing else, nothing else will do I'm caught up 
that is our heart that that's our desire to to want you more than anything that the longing in our spirit in our our souls and in our hearts is more of your presence lord that we would decrease and that you would increase in our lives we thank you father for being with us here this morning and we continue to give you praise we bless you we thank you it's in jesus name we pray amen all right we're going to take five minutes Find somebody new, say hi, hug a neck. Uh, kids, why don't you go down to Children's Church? Woohoo! All right, we'll see you in five.
All right. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. It's, I always love seeing your faces. Do you remember that, that song I talked about a couple weeks ago? Every time I see your smiling face, it makes me smile myself because I love you. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, before we jump into the message, we have a couple of announcements. If you're a first-time guest, you may have noticed when you walked through, we had a table there. Grab a gift. There's a bag with a gift inside of it. Uh, grab that, and then if you would go to lifechurchutah.com, let us know you were here. That way we can uh, stay in touch with you, let you know what's going on, what's coming up. And then uh, if you have any gifts you'd like to give, tithes, offerings, uh, back in the back by the kiosk. We have a giving kiosk. You can give there. I just want to say thank you for your continued faithfulness in trusting God with your finances. Uh, you guys are amazing givers, and um, the Lord will bless you for that. And then uh, our trunk or treat, uh, our uh, donation boxes are right there by the front door also. If uh, you would be so generous as to donate some candy to, to give to the kids. Um, next week, we've uh, created some flyers, and at 11 o'clock a.m. on Saturday, we're going to canvas the area here and put uh, little inv invites on uh, the doors of the houses around the neighborhood here, walk around from about 11 to noon, just to let people know that we're here, come check us out, come uh, get some candy for your kiddos, so that if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, be here next week at 11 a.m. And then I have to say a huge thank you uh, to you guys. Uh, you guys made Allison and I feel incredibly special last week. Um, I just have to say it is a privilege for us to be here, for me to be your pastor. Um, I'd, I don't take it lightly, and, and it's a great honor for me to be your pastor. So thank you for loving on us and, and letting us be here and be your leaders. Um, Today we start a new series. Last week we finished our series on the book of Galatians. Now we're jumping into a series exploring the heart and the mission of what Life Church is. What is Life Church? What are we wanting to accomplish as a church body? What is our vision? What is our, our mission? And so we're going to take the next six weeks and explore these topics. But before I get into that, I want to tell you a little story. So, parenthood is truly one of the greatest blessings in the world. If you have kids, you understand it. If you don't have kids, you'll have to take my word for it. While it can be extremely hard, extremely difficult, at the end of the day, I would say there is nothing better than being a dad. Um, I, I love my kids. They are my greatest joy and sometimes my greatest frustration. If you have kids, you understand that. And my kiddos are strong-willed, especially my Ava Jane. She is, oh my gosh, so strong-willed. So I, I read this article once about strong-willed children, and it said they tend to grow up to be leaders. And while you want to like get them, correct them, and, and it encouraged, don't break that, that will, don't break that inside of them. And so trying to find that balance. And because Ava's not the type to 
bend or sway when her friends try to get her to do something she doesn't want to do. I mean, I can barely get her to do what I want her to do, and I'm her dad. And, and so she's definitely got that. There's a, an argument or she's uh, in trouble for something. She's got to have the last word. It doesn't matter what it's about. She has to have the last word. So she has those leadership tendencies, but I would like to tell you a story about my son, Harrison. Now, he doesn't share those same tendencies. He doesn't share those same, uh, it doesn't seem he shares those same innate qualities. He seems to be swayed more easily by friends, but it's in there. I know it's in there because a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, parent-teacher conferences. He's just started kindergarten. And um, we sat down with his teacher, and it's kind of cool. His teacher was Ava's preschool teacher, so we know her uh, from then. And she sat down, and she's like, so do you want the good or the bad? And we're like, oh, um, okay. And she decided, well, we'll start with the good. Okay, we'll start there. So she goes over, she's like, he's incredibly smart. He's catching on real quickly with his reading. He excels in math. So we go over all of the academics. He's doing wonderful. So in my mind, I'm like, it's behavior. If he's doing his schoolwork well, it's his behavior. And so we get done going through all the schoolwork stuff. And she's like, so Harrison makes friends easily. And he's made these friends in his class that are, they're like, she's like, I've seen a lot of kids make friends. But these are like best buddies. The, you can't separate them. She's like, it's got to the point where I have separated these four boys to the four corners of the classroom. Harrison's in the back left, and the ones are, she's like, eh, and that kind of helps sometimes. And so she said the thing that's different about Harrison is that when the other kids are being naughty, you can see him think about it. Like, I know better. Maybe I shouldn't. And then he gives in. She's like, so I think if we can encourage him to move in that direction of being the leader, I think he could sway the other kids to have better behavior. And if he does this, I would like to reward him for it. We're like, hey, we're, we're all for it. We're on, we're on board with pushing him in that direction. Now, in his school, they have a color system that lets parents know how their students are doing. I believe red is the worst you can get. We've had a no black I think we've had one black um, and then no red a red we've had a red see I, I should have talked to mom first um, so anyway we've had a red but no gold is the best and then silver so we've had everything kind of in the middle and so we we go home and we talk to him and look, you know this is what we're wanting you to do this is and so that next week I was I was home for the week and so I got the, to take him to school because um, I, I don't ever get to drive him because I'm off to work by 7. And so he goes to school at noon, and we're driving to school, and I'm like, all right, what kind of, what kind of student are you going to be today? He's like, I'm going to be a leader. I'm like, all right. Now you're going to be a leader for good or for bad? He's like, for good. I'm like, okay. Can we pray about it? He's like, yeah, let's pray about it. I'm like, okay. So we pray, you know, Father, I ask that you'd help Harrison to be a good student, to learn well but to be a leader for good and help influence the other boys in his class to be a, a good students. In Jesus' name, amen. So we pull up, we drop him off because we do carpool, and he goes out, and, and then uh, he, uh, I come back, I pick him up at school, and he's like, I, I did better today, Daddy. I got on a silver. I'm like, 
Hey, we're making progress. We're moving in the right direction. And so every day as I take them to school, what kind of student are you going to be? Oh, I'm going to be a leader. For good or for bad? For good. All right. So then it was like Thursday. I think it was Thursday or Friday. He comes into the car. The first thing he says, Daddy, I got on gold. And I was like, that's my boy. You got on gold. You're being a leader. And he was so excited. And it was just so cool to see that, that change with that little bit of encouragement and, and pushing him in that direction. Because, see, he was making the decision to be a leader. He was making the, the decision to make a difference, to be the difference. And it was very exciting to see as a dad. Now, have you ever felt like you were meant to be a leader? Perhaps you wanted to be a leader. Perhaps you needed to learn how to be a leader. Maybe you have no desire at all to be a leader. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today is this concept, this idea of leadership and what that means, what that looks like. What is, how does that apply to our everyday life? Now, these principle, this principle we're going to learn is we're going to pull it from a story in 1 Kings chapter 19. And the main text we're going to be looking at is verses 9 through 13. And while I was putting this together, the, the thought I had uh, was this. It's on us to lead people to Jesus. Plain and simple. It's on us to lead people to Jesus. And it's very close to what our mission statement is. We're called to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We're called to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. So we pick up our story in 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It says this, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your people. And I thank you that you call us to be leaders. So as we unpack this story and look at this principle of leadership, open our hearts to hear what it is you're saying, our minds to understand, and help us to be willing to be challenged and changed. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, to give a backstory of what's going on to help shed some light on this, we step back and Israel is under the rule of King Ahab. Now, the Bible says Ahab was more wicked than any other king before him. And he married a woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel pushed him even further into doing wickedness before the Lord, worshiping the Baals and putting up Asherah 
poles and tearing down the altars of God. He was not a good dude. So then God raises up Elijah to warn them there's going to be a famine. There's going to be a drought. And then here comes the famine. Here comes the drought. And then Elijah finds himself stayed with a widow and her household. And she tells him, I don't, we're not going to survive this drought because I don't have any food. All I have is one jar of flour and one jar of oil. And he says, don't worry about it. God's got us. And so for the entire season of this drought, that one jar of flour and that one jar of oil never ran dry. It never ran out. God sustained them. And then after the drought, her son becomes incredibly ill and passes away. And God uses Elijah to bring him back to life. And then God tells Elijah, okay, it's time for you to go and confront the king of Ahab. You need to go tell him, game on. And so Elijah goes to him and he says, all right, Ahab, this is what we're going to do. You grab all your prophets of Baal and we meet at the mountain. And what we're going, we're going to have more or less a contest. And I'll explain when we get there. So they get to the mountain and they've got 450 prophets for Baal. And Elijah says, what we're going to do is we're going to build two altars. You people, you prophets, build your altar to Baal. You put wood on it. You put the sacrifice on it. But you don't set fire to it. You pray to Baal and you have him consume it. And then I will do the same thing. So Elijah being the gentleman he is, he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And the Bible says from morning till noon, these prophets did all that they could to try to summon the god Baal to set fire to the sacrifice. And it never happened. And it never happened. So then Elijah starts kind of getting, mocking him a little bit. Well, may, maybe your god's asleep. Maybe he checked out. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he can't hear you. So then they get extreme. They start cutting themselves. And the Bible says that they cut themselves to where they, they're bleeding on themselves. So, and it's quite a bit. And Elijah's finally like, all right, that enough is enough. It's my turn. So he builds the altar, and he takes 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and he builds this altar. He puts the wood on it, puts the sacrifice on it, digs a trench all the way around it. And he says, you know what? Why don't you get some water and pour it on the, the sacrifice? That's not good enough. Get a second one. Get a third one. And they put so much water that they fill the trench around the altar full of water. And he prays to God. And he's like, God, so that these people know that you are God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I pray that you will consume this sacrifice. And God does not just consume the sacrifice. He burns the sacrifice, the wood, the rocks, all of the water is gone. And now they take the prophets of Baal down the mountain and they kill them all. And Ahab goes home to his wife Jezebel. And he's like, you are not going to believe what I saw today. I can't make this stuff up, Jezebel. Like, fire came from heaven and consumed everything and then all the prophets were killed. And Jezebel gets ticked. She's like, you know what? I'm sick of this Elijah guy. What happened to these prophets is going to happen to Elijah. And she puts out this decree that Elijah's going to die, and he hears, catches wind of it. What does Elijah do? He's afraid, and he runs away. And that's where we find him in this cave at Mount Horeb. Now, a little side note, Mount Horeb 
Some scholars believe that it is an alternative name for Mount Sinai. Some of them believe that it's its own mountain, but that it's within the same region of Mount Sinai. Because in Exodus, uh, they referred to Mount Horeb as the mountain of God. So he's within this area of Mount Sinai, and he is in this cave hiding. And he's there, and he basically wants to die. He tells God, I, I, just take me home to my father's. Let me be done. And that's where we picked up the story in verse 9, and I'm going to read it again to you. And it says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, to understand what's going on, up to this point, Elijah has done everything God has asked him to do. Tell the people about the drought. Stay with this woman. I'll sustain you. Raise her son back to life. Confront the king. Defeat the prophets of Baal. He's done everything God has asked him to do except going to Mount Horeb. God has never said, go there. He ran there. So God is challenging him. Why are you here? Well, it's because Jezebel had made a threat on his life, and he was afraid, and he runs. Now, Elijah's answer to, what, to God's question might seem kind of weird. It might not make sense. But here we have a man that is truly devoted to God and the call that God has placed on his life. He had just witnessed all of these incredible displays of power and provision uh, from God. And here's the thing. Not a, th not a single heart was changed. Nothing happened. And he's frustrated. He's upset. Because much like today, when we want change to happen, nothing happens. We want judgment. So he's thinking, all right, we've had the, the prophets of Baal defeated. No one's changed their hearts. No one's changed their minds. I want judgment. But then there's nothing. So he'd just rather go home and be with his fathers. He feels alone. He feels abandoned, afraid. He feels hopeless. Have you ever felt this way in your Christian walk? Like you were the only one there. You were the only one left. Can I be a little vulnerable with you this morning? So, just yesterday, I found myself in here, and I, I was praying as I, I was preparing the message, and I, I almost literally repeated kind of the, the heart of Elijah, and it was like, God, I feel like I'm the only one that, that takes this seriously. Like, when I say that Jesus is the Lord of my life, He is the Lord of my life. If he tells me to go, I go. If, I, if he tells me to stay, I stay. That, that this is what my life is. Is there anybody else out there? Like, is this all pretend? Am I just talking to myself or to a ceiling? And then God's presence, and, and he starts to, to reassure me and remind me. And no, I know I'm not the only one. I'm looking at a room full of people that are in, this, in the boat with me. But that's how it can seem sometimes. It can seem like we're all alone. So what does God do for Elijah? 
Well, in verse 11, he tells him, he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. God, Elijah had just experienced in his personal life great demonstrations of God's power. So then God tells him, go out, and he gives him more demonstrations of his power. But the Bible says that he was not in any of them. I wrestled with this for I don't know how long because God was in all of the miraculous things that he did through Elijah. God caused the wind. He caused the earthquake. He caused the fire. So how is God not in those things? And it was, it was something that, that I, 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 I couldn't really figure out. I, I, didn't, I wrestled with it for a little bit. And then I had this thought. God was in those things because God caused them. It's just the desired outcome didn't happen. Let me explain. Elijah thought that the change would come with the demonstration of God's power, that the change would happen, that people's hearts would be changed when the fire fell from heaven, when, God, when they heard the story of God sustaining him and, and bringing the boy back to life. And sometimes we can be the same way. I mean, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that because we handed out backpacks to people that this place would not be filled with humans or that the fact that we served at 180 ministries that that would not attract people to come here or that we're doing the trunk or treat uh, on the 30th that that would not bring people in here that I'm hoping for change through a demonstration through an outreach and I think what God was trying to show Elijah was that the change comes through the, the small voice, through the whisper. Let me ask you, how many times has your mind been changed by someone that is loud, is yelling at you from a Facebook post or a Twitter feed or, or a billboard? How many times has your mind been changed? Mine, zero. My mind has never been changed. But when someone sits down with me, gets to know me, knows my story, understands my views. I'm more open to hearing what they have to say, and I'm more open to changing my opinion, changing my mind. And I think, to me, that's the point of, the, of this here. The, the event, the demonstration gets the attention. It draws the attention, but the change only takes place in the relationship. It was only when Elijah heard God's whisper that he got up. You can't hear the whisper if you're not listening, and you won't listen if there is no relationship. So how does this apply to us? We can have events, outreaches all day long, but if we don't try to get to know the people that come through that door, if we don't try to get to know our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, there's not ever going to be a heart that is changed. We need to lead them. We need to lead them to Jesus. And this is what we see next. God then asks Elijah, why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah gives the same exact reply. 
Now, scholars think that this shows that Elijah did not grasp and understand the revelation that he had just had, that he was still caught up in what he was feeling. We can be the same way. We don't grasp all that God is doing in the midst of what we're going through. We don't understand, why am I fighting this? Why am I in this valley? Why, why do I have to struggle like this? And we don't understand what God is doing in the process of everything. But what does God tell Elijah to do? Elijah, it's time to get to work. We need to go to work. He doesn't wait for him to get his act together. He doesn't scold him. He tells him, I need you to go anoint two kings. Ahab's done. He's not going to be the king of Israel anymore. You need to go anoint the next king. You need to go anoint the next king of Assyria. And I need you to go find a boy by the name of Elisha and anoint him as your successor. We got work to do, Elijah. We got work to do. And then he reminds him. He's like, and by the way, some, in, some info that you're not privy to, Elijah. There's a remnant of 7,000 people that have not bowed their knee to Baal, who have not kissed their idols. You are not alone. This battle is not to be fought just by you, but there are people out there to come alongside you. So again, I say it is on us to lead people to Jesus. It's on us to lead people to Jesus. In Acts 17, verse 6, it says this, These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also. They're talking, these are people in ancient Israel at the rise of the church who are upset at what the church is doing, what the church is accomplishing because they are going out. They're talking to government officials. They're bringing a positive change to culture. They're affecting change in society. They are leading by example. They affect change where they are and with whom they come in contact. What would it look like if we did the same? If we didn't rely on demonstrate, demonstration only, but built the relationships so that people could hear God's whisper, could hear God's voice, what would this valley look like? What would this church body look like? There's a video that I want you to watch. It's about a couple that are doing this very thing in the community that they are in. Hi, this is the Grams. This is Ben, Belu, Toby, and Zeke, and we are your missionaries to Argentina. We remember visiting your church about four years ago. It was so great. We have such great memories of being in Tuila with you guys. It was our honor to represent you in Argentina for during the last three years. We were working with students, Bible school students, training them, equipping them to reach God's potential for their lives. Uh, we were able to uh, shape and train future ministers. We also planted two churches, one church that turned into two churches. Graduates from the school planted three churches during the time that we were there. So many lives transformed because you were a part. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for making an impact in Argentina. You are important and you are making a difference. We believe missions is a, like a chain. A chain is made up of links and each link is important. If, if one of the links drops out, either the chain splits or it's shorter. So you 
made missions possible in Argentina. Thank you for making an impact. Uh, this next term, we will be going to Buenos Aires in Argentina. We will be working at a Bible school as well, training students to make it to what God has called them to do, equipping and training them to reach our full potential. Uh, Argentina right now is going through a financial situation. This, this coin right here, less than 20 years ago, was worth $1. And now this is worth less than one cent. So within 20 years, the currency is devaluated. If you see this on the floor, you wouldn't even duck down to pick it up because it's worth nothing. And that's how a lot of them feel right now. They feel worthless. They feel like their dreams are, are thrown away, especially now during COVID. And what we want to go do is say, we have a God that values you more than you value yourself. We believe in you and we believe in God's plans for your life. So thank you for valuing the people in Argentina to the point of being uncomfortable. That's what missions is to us. Viewing the value of others so much higher than our own comfort. So thank you for making that possible. We love you guys. It's an honor to represent you in Argentina. Blessings. <laughs>
with, with your presence. I bless them with your anointing to, to go out into all the world and to make disciples for your name and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I've got a, a reflection and a challenge for you. Here it is. The reflection. Think on what it means to be a leader where you are. What does that look like? What does your role in leading people to Jesus look like? Take some time and think about that. And my challenge is this. Start building those relationships. Listen to God's small voice, uh, his whisper, his still small voice, and be open to those new relationships. Because if we do, we will see people come to know the love, the mercy, the joy of knowing Christ Jesus. I thank you guys for being here. I love you and look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.